Hello, welcome to episode 13 of the All Brow Podcast. Today we have Jeff and Christina from Adam Brewing in Colorado. They're about to make a really big move to upstate New York where they're relocating to a 45-acre farm. If you happen to catch episode 12 of the podcast with Pete and Lindsay from Harvest Roots in Alabama, you'll notice we didn't do an intro. I'm still playing with the format of the podcast and... uh, Also, where we'll be hosting it, you'll notice that for episode 12, you can find it on YouTube. I've been told by some people, especially from uh, the more international crowd, that a lot of people are not using podcast apps. They're actually watching or listening to podcasts on YouTube. So we're going to give that a try. I think on this one, we're just going to keep it with the audio. uh, And I'll host it on our normal channels via Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else our RSS feed from SoundCloud goes. During these times, uh, you know, we're going to try to focus on the positive things that our friends and family are doing and highlighting really cool creative work uh, that's still going on despite the pandemic. And uh, I just ask that you do the same if you can. Um, There's lots of really cool creative stuff going on and there's a lot of um, people out there that could use just a little bit of extra support. And if you know if you want bad news and you want to just read about how crazy the world is, you can turn on the, the TV, you can look at your phone, you can get on the internet on your computer. Um, my my hope is that when the dust settles from all this, that we'll all have you know uh, been able to focus on the things that make us happy. So. Progress with Altbrow. Let me give you an update on that. I have about 50 cases of finished product labeled uh, at Shady Oak up in Santa Rosa. The plan was to do some events this month at some bars, restaurants, and bottle shops. That has been uh, put on the back burner, obviously, right now. Um, There's still an opportunity potentially for some curbside pickup or online sales. Um, I'm still up in the air if I want to do that. Otherwise, I think I'm just going to let them continue to condition. Uh, I still have some empty bottles to fill uh, and lots of barrels to play with. Fruit season is coming, so I'm going to start doing some fruit trials. And yeah, just got to keep moving forward. So thank you for listening. Um, I appreciate the support. Again, if you can uh, support your friends, families, and acquaintances, and or just anybody who you really like what they're doing, um, if you can share with other people, um, it goes a long way. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the podcast and hit me up. I got some time to kill Tim at or on Instagram or Facebook. Enjoy the episode. Again, this is episode 13 with Jeff and Christina from Adam Brewing. Considering, I mean, yeah, everything's relative now. This is very much true. So, uh, Tim, this is my wife, Chris. I was going to make the introduction if you didn't. Hi, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard nothing but positive things, I promise. Well, that's rare. (laughs) Hopefully, uh, he didn't tell you too much about our my drunken time at Antidote, like when I fell asleep mid-conversation and dropped a glass. No. (laughs) 
well, I guess it wasn't even late into the evening at that point. It was 5 a.m. Yeah, it was early in the morning of a very, very yeah, long marathon like session. Par for course. The one time that I went there, um, we uh, just went to visit and, and meet them for the first time. And they're like, you know, why don't you come to our house and we'll we'll make pizza in the wood fire stove and we'll, you know, we'll show you the brewery and all this other stuff. So we get there and, you know, we're like, uh, it's their home, you know, and it wasn't weird for us, but it was weird to be in somebody else's home that was also a brewery, you know, mm -hmm. like it just seemed really odd. And um, we go and it turned into the point where we had to just keep saying, look, we still have to drive back <laughs> to Brussels, like stop. And he's yeah. okay, okay, no more, no more, no more, no more. And, and I had to tell Christine, I'm like, Christine, you have to tell him to stop getting beers. Like, just, just stop. She goes, okay, okay. And then he comes up from somewhere with another bottle. And she goes, oh, after this one. After this <laughs> yeah, one, yeah, you guys yeah. can go. And then it, it, that was like, you know, seven bottles of beer later. And, you know, Jeff was good and, and responsible, but the rest of us weren't. But we're driving back and we're super tired. And... I told um, our friends, I think you probably met DJ Nicole, right? Mm -hmm. I told our friends, I said, I need to just close my eyes. And I was in the front seat. I'm like, I just need to close my eyes for like 10 minutes. I'm like, if you could just keep Jeff entertained for 10 minutes, I'll get back up and I'll, and I'll keep him awake the rest of the way home. Just give me 10 minutes. That didn't happen. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. No worries. No worries. Everybody fell asleep, didn't they? Yeah, other yeah. than Jeff, right? Yeah. So yeah. I fall asleep. And all of a sudden, you, uh, we call it driving by Braille. And all of a sudden, you hear yeah. the word. And I like, I woke up and I'm like, what the fuck? And I look behind me, and those two assholes are curled up sleeping behind me. And I'm like, 10 minutes, man. It's all I wanted. So, needless to say, I didn't sleep the rest of the trip, but that was uh, my first experience at Andrew. Yeah, that was when we were all there. It was, uh, it was my second time doing kind of a post carnival collab brew session. And, um, this one, I'm trying to remember how the day went, but all I know is that the, the hay that we put in the cool ship was holding so much thermal mass, you know, that it wasn't cooling down. So just like every hour we'd go, he'd go back every two hours, go check on it. So it started to be, you know, nine, p.m. 11 p.m. 1 a.m. 3 a.m. around 4 30 I'm talking to Jeff I'm sitting on a keg and we're talking about music and in the middle of his sentence I just nod off. it wasn't like I just dropped the glass no I was I nodded off and dropped the glass yep. and it just shattered <laughs> uh so he, he kind of he kind of sprung to and was like I'm going to bed <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it he's like yeah I'm going to bed. Yeah. And that's the reason why Christine doesn't want any of us back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I think um, Christine likes to play the part that she is uh, innocent in all this. Yeah. Hold on. She, 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 uh, she like, I think she likes it too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, we, with this podcast, I don't really, um, focus on like technical brewing stuff. There's plenty of other nerdy podcasts for that. So sure. um, I just like to kind of connect with people and, and talk to people who I think are doing really cool stuff. 
And um, from, you know, a lot of these relationships that we build in this scene are built off social media. You know, you see what the other person is doing. And, it, and it's funny because most of the people in this are like the least marketing and social media savvy people. Right. But, but you can kind of see just by like, um, just posting pictures of their brew day or what the equipment they have. I think if you know what you're looking for, it catches your eye. So I've been definitely keep, I've had an eye on you guys for a minute. So it was awesome to get to meet Jeff. I'm very happy to speak with you, Chris today. And I, I'm looking forward to um, meeting you hopefully at next call. Uh, you know, uh, the other thing about guests that we're not going to focus too much on the virus that shall not be named uh we just want to keep focus on the good stuff focus on the positive stuff people are doing you're doing a lot of really your moves uh literally now right yeah so um just just for some background can you tell us a little bit about adam brewing and uh where you're currently located and what the next step is Sure. Um, we're currently in uh, Erie, Colorado, which is uh, about a half an hour north of Denver, 15, 20 minutes uh, east of Boulder. Um, we've been here in the town for 13 years? Almost 14 years. Almost 14 yeah, years? June would have been 14 years. 14 years, yeah. And the brewery's been up and going for about uh, four and a half years. Um, we, uh, you know, the brewery is in a building out back behind the house, um, you know, tiny little building, about 600 square feet, detached building. Um, you know, we, we live on almost an acre. Yep, we're on about an acre of property right here. Um, and... Uh, Which in an urban setting and almost an acre is like, oh. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I live in Oakland, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is nothing, yeah, I mean, this is nothing compared to Oakland, but I mean, we are like right in the center of town and, and we still have an acre of land, so that's pretty pretty rare here but uh, i've heard you talk about when gabf comes to town so i know you guys are pretty close to where all the action is oh yeah yeah, yeah it's um we're about well everything is judged here in how long it takes i'm sure the same in california it's not like it's five miles away it's like it takes 25 minutes yeah. it you know so um yeah gabf is only about about 30 minutes away from here um which is kind of cool. And when we when we moved here, we live in the old part of town. So our, our house was built in the 1800s. Um, when we moved here, everything around us was farmland. So our little acre was like, you know, oh, we just have an acre when everything else around us was like sprawling farm. So, but that's what we got at the time. So we made the best of what we could with it um, and used our little outbuilding as, as our brewery. Um, we have a, a, I don't know, pretty decent sized farm, 40 by, or not farm, 40 by 80 foot um, garden that we grow uh, a bunch of the herbs in. We have our chickens and our ducks. And so we've kind of uh, tried our hardest to be as farmhouse in an urban setting as we possibly could. <laughs> yeah, and we, um, we didn't. We didn't. I guess the original version of Adam wasn't what it wasn't, is. wasn't isn't what it was going to be now. We originally were going to actually kind of start in more of a traditional, you know, brew pubs or not brew pub, but traditional brewery model. I guess as you'd call it today, with a tap room and a building and everything right down here in town. Uh, we always had the idea for the beers. Yeah, yeah. The, the beers, beers that we wanted to make yeah. was has been the same 
right. um, since we started. Right. The, just the model of what we became uh, adapted to yeah. the situation that we were put in at yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we originally were going to have partners, and that didn't work out. And you know, so when the partners leave, you know, of course, half the money leaves and all that stuff. And so instead of just giving up or going out and getting a bunch of loans and getting into a ton of debt, we just used what we had, which was this building. And um, we spent a good solid year um, arguing with the town about what we wanted to do, going up in front of the, the board in public meetings about six different times, trying to explain to them what we were trying to do. And, uh, you know, eventually the light kind of went on. And, um, you know, the town administrator was a big supporter of ours, so he helped out a lot. And so we did, you know, we finally got approved to open up a, a commercial brewery in a residential area, um, which, you know, is, I think it's pretty rare. You know, I think most, you know, most municipalities are against that type of thing, but, but they let us do it. Um, you know, it came with its, um, with its downsides. You know, we couldn't do any retail sales, no tap room. Not that we would have room for a tap room, but we couldn't do bottle sales or anything we like that. We tried once. Yeah, we did we try bottle once. Sales. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, cause our town was kind of like, if nobody says anything, we won't <laughs> say anything. And uh, our first bottle release, uh, we had about 150 people. So that didn't um, stay a secret very long. Yeah, yeah. no, it showed up and, and uh, the majority of our neighbors were like, right on. And of course, one neighbor said something yeah. and the town came to us and put the kibosh on it. Yeah. So. This is a, another similarity with you ha you have with the antidote people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, theirs was, yeah, I mean, I guess it is pretty similar. I mean, they, you know, they had four times the number of people who were causing traffic incidents, but yes, we had the same, we had the same no, thing. Where we, the, we had as much traffic yeah. as the middle school letting out on an average yeah. day, you know, so yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I'm going to grab my tea. Okay. But that's, um, yeah, but that, that's kind of how we got started. And, and like I said, we've been going here for four and a half years, um, you know, making the best of what we, what we have. Um, We've gotten a pretty good following in that amount of time, uh, you know, not only in the state of Colorado, but uh, really around the world. I mean, you know, we, we obviously distribute beer here in Colorado, but uh, we also send beer to uh, Italy and France, uh, Belgium, you know, that gets, that gets sent around to the Netherlands. And um, I think even into the UK, we've sent beer to Australia. Um, and I guess the cool thing with that is that we, we never, we didn't, we didn't intend for it. Well, no, we didn't intend for it, but we didn't, um, we didn't put the beer in those places. People in those areas actually reached out to us, um, even through distributors, to get our beer sent there. So, um, you know, that always makes it much easier to convince a distributor or something to send your beer, you know, to Australia. It also or, makes or it super cool. Italy, yeah, it makes it really cool, too, or Italy or something, when somebody in another country is contacting them saying, we want their beer over here. Um, or even as simple as like the other day we got a, a message from a guy in France, France. and um, he said, hey, I, you know, I, I had your beer and I started looking up what you guys were doing and, you know, just asked a few questions and it was like kind of cool that someone in France like reached out to our tiny little brewery in Erie, Colorado mm -hmm. <laughs> to ask a question. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. So that was our beginning. We, yeah. um, you know, we like Jeff said, we did it go with any loans or borrow any money. We had $50, we bought a barrel. We had $100, we bought dry roll. Um, you know, we just kind of built the brewery up from a garage. It was a no insulated, just a garage building. And we, um, you know, had a couple dollars here and there and just 
bought and built and bought and built and mm -hmm. collected did, and did the bulk of the work ourselves. Yeah. Or, or we're lucky enough to know people that were, were willing to trade, you know, labor for beer. And our next door neighbor is an electrician, so he reran all the wiring in the brewery in exchange for, you know, for beer and you know, a few bucks here and there. So we just, you know, we took it really slow and let the brewery and everything just happen organically. And I mean, that's, that's how we've always, you know, just like we, just like with the beer, you know, we let the beer kind of decide where it's going and what it's going to do. And we kind of let the brewery do the same thing. Um, you know, the biggest question we always get asked is, you know, when are we going to have a tap room? When are we going to have a tap room? And our answer has always been, you know, it'll happen when it happens. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to go out and get, you know, a half a million, million dollars in debt just to open up a tap room in some industrial space like anybody else. Yeah, we just, looked for a while to find yeah. the right spot. Yeah. Um, you know, we wanted to kind of live up to what we envisioned our, our tap room to be, which was, you know, that farmhouse kind of feel. Um, we wanted it to be, you know, out in the open and, and have, as a perfect model, would be like a Jester King model where, you know, if you have the, the you're growing your own herbs and vegetables or whatever you're putting into your beer and, and you're, you're really community-based. Um, you know, and have goats and stuff like that. And that's what yeah. we really wanted. Um, but in Colorado, as I'm sure it is in California, it's impossible to find anything like that. Um, that's not several million dollars. Yeah, that you're not willing to sell your soul for. Yeah. You Which, know? you know, it's funny. I mean, you know, that's a good segue into where we're going. You know, I mean, that's how we ended up, you know, it, it all just kind of was a natural progression with what we're getting ready to do um, with our move to New York. I mean, that's going to be, the, that. that is our, that is ultimately going to become what our, our vision has always been. And, you know, we just let that kind of organically happen. I mean, we never even, you know, if you had asked us a year ago, if we were ever thinking about upstate New York to, you know, open up a brewery, we would yeah. have been like, no, I mean, Chris is originally from Buffalo and, and I'm, I was born in Eastern New York, but when I was like six, my family moved to Florida. So I consider myself from Florida. But, you know, if you asked us a year ago about upstate New York, we'd have been like, no, not at all. And, we just happened to be up there last summer for um, my, for a family event type of thing, and we were sitting around and and you know we just you know kind of forgot how beautiful it was up there and all the farmland and one thing led to another and we started looking at property and yeah, know, it was like for shits and giggles let's see if we could afford anything up here. Yeah. I pulled up yeah. Zillow and um, just I was away. like shut the front door yeah. like we can get a five hundred acre farm you know for. $500,000 with a barn or whatever, yeah. you know, it's way bigger than we, we ended up going with. Um, yeah. But, you know, it was like, I can't believe, you know, pennies on the dollar, you could buy land up there. Yeah. And um, we were mm -hmm. like, all right, you yeah. know. So, I mean, here we are eight oh. months, eight months later. And yeah. we're, well, we have to dig out from underneath the foot and a half of snow we got last night. But oh, we're, <laughs> we're packing up the, we're packing up the last of the house and the brewery this weekend into pods and, Next yeah, part. I wish I could move you around to see because we're living like college kids right yeah. now. <laughs> Sit on the floor. Um, <laughs> I was just sitting on the floor on a cushion with patio furniture pillows. And uh, we have a lawn furniture chair with an ottoman. Um, yeah. Our coffee maker's on a card table and our mattress is on the floor. Yeah. So I mean, I even, had to, <laughs> I even had to sacrifice. I'm drinking a Norval out of a West Mall glass. How dare you? I know. You know things are bad now, right? Yeah. It was, it was almost a coffee cup, but I found this buried in a box. I mean, that, I guess that's better. It's, sli it's slightly better than a coffee cup. It's true. Light, it's true. Slightly. It's true. A little bit. So. Keeping it classy. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
But um, well, I guess okay. If you guys are drinking, I'll open something. Then. So I was just waiting right. to make sure. So, uh, but um, what's so that? I was just gonna say. So can you tell us a little bit about the space in upstate New York? Um, I know that New York as a state is also had some laws um, on the books regarding farmhouse breweries. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So. Um, the uh, so yeah so we're we're actually so next Friday we'll be loading up in the we'll be loading up in the cars and and heading to uh, heading to upstate New York where we have. You see, we got the matching glass. I know. Yeah. I know. Look at. Is it plastic? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we we purchased. Really uh, Dale <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His Dale, his Dale class, yeah. That's exactly it. I got to tell my wife that one. She'll get a kick out of that. Camera. <laughs> They saw the Dre Fontaine in glass and they said, I'm a Dale Earnhardt fan. They said, I'm a Dale Earnhardt fan because I have a three on my bottle, a three on my glass. <laughs> see, Tamara here, her family. You never even watched a race. Yeah, see, she gives me a hard time because she's like, you've never watched a race. <laughs> her family watches races. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> it was either that or Zombieland, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, what's going on with New York? Yeah, so um, so we've purchased um, a 45-acre farm uh, about an hour uh, west of Albany, kind of near the Johnstown area, and uh, you know it's uh, it's got a greenhouse. Yeah, it's got a, I just got my book today yeah. on greenhouse gardening. So yeah, so it's got um, a what a hundred foot by forty foot, foot greenhouse. greenhouse, and then a huge outdoor garden on top of that, yeah. which is big for us because of um, a lot of the a lot of the herbs that we grow for our beers um, are grown here on the property. Mm. Um, so what we want to try to do is grow the fruits um, that we will put into our beer and, and grow, maybe not all, but you know, try to be a little bit more sustainable um, or self-sustaining uh, than we are right now. So yeah. uh, we'll have the opportunity to be able to grow um, herbs and fruits all year round, which is kind of an exciting new adventure. Yeah, with the greenhouse. And you know, out of the 45 acres, um, 12 or 12 to 14 of it is farmable. Um, and so on that part of it, obviously, you know, we're going to be planting um, various orchards. We're looking at uh, planting um, apples and pears, uh, quince, um, uh, cherries. Um, and maybe a few other things, and then uh, the way the the way the property sloped, it's all south facing, um, so the property kind of goes up onto a nice hill. Um, so on the hill, we're going to plant um, a pretty good sized vineyard, uh, both red and white grapes, um, get that going, and you know ultimately everything to be used um, in the beer. Um, we may play we may play around a little bit with um, starting to make some cider. Um, that with the with the farm brewery law that you mentioned, uh, breweries up there can actually make cider. Um, but yeah, so the property, you know, in addition to all of that, uh, probably one of the biggest things that I'm going to absolutely love is the fact that the brewery is going from basically like a five, 600 square foot building to a 2000 square foot building. So, um, you know, not only will I not be tripping over hoses in my own feet and trying to find, you know, two feet of space to set something down, you know, we'll actually have a, a, a good sized building to, to, uh, move the brewery into, um, the, you know, everything is zoned agricultural. So uh, we'll actually be able to have um, some variation of a tap room or a bottle shop or something where people can come to the brewery, um, 
there's Meyer stalls Meyers. on the backside so we can actually get that horse blanket flavor. Yeah. Like yeah. Like yeah. About. I mean, it's yeah. authentic horse blanket yeah. is what yeah. we're going to go for. So. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have animals and things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're starting with. And you know, of course, you know, there's a house and everything there. We'll be living right on the property. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the farm brewery law that New York has, um, from, from what I've understood and what I've read about it and talked to people, I mean, they were, they were kind of at the forefront of really coming out with laws like that, um, to really support, uh, the, the growth of, uh, the industry within the state, both from, you know, uh, malt, hops, um, you know, fruits, whatever you're going to use with it, you know, to make beer with, um, with the farmhouse, uh, brewery license, uh, 60% of your ingredients have to be grown in the state of New York. And I think it's over the course of, I think there's another 10 years over the course of the next 10 years that slowly increases over a period of time up to the point of 90% of your ingredients have to be grown in the state of New York. Um, benefits of the license is your tax rates are lower. Um, you can, as I mentioned before, you can actually make cider under the same license. Um, so you don't have to get any other special license. You don't have to have like a separate building or anything like that. You can, you can make cider under that same license. Um, you, uh, one of the coolest things about it, I think is that, that we found out was that with you, with a farm brewery license, um, we as a brewery can go to any other brewery, winery, cidery, meadery, distillery in the state of New York that, that creates their products in the state of New York. And we can buy their products directly from them wholesale. And then we can actually have them both for consumption and to go out of our own tap room. That's right. And then we can, we can in turn, you know, sell our beers mm -hmm. to, to them and, you know, other, other farm brewery licenses. Um, breweries uh, and they can sell our beer and do the same way. So, you know, somebody could come into your, to our tap room and, you know, have, have some of our beers or whatever, or maybe, you know, there's always somebody maybe in the crowd that's not necessarily a beer person or something. You could be like, Oh, well, how would you like to try a, you know, some New York wines or here's some New York spirits or whatever. Yeah, here's a whiskey and Coke. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, that Coke so that's, doesn't come from New York. Is there a Coke factory in? Yeah. Right. <laughs> But we'll um, make yeah, but you know, those are some of the benefits of that of that um, of that particular license. Uh, you know, it, it has like limitations, like you can't make more than fifty thousand barrels a year. Well, you know, we're definitely not going to make right. fifty thousand barrels a year. Um, but um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of benefits to that. Um, you know, and that's that's the license that we're going to pursue getting. Uh, we do have to get all new licenses, nothing transfers, um, not, not even the, I mean, obviously the Colorado licenses would, but nothing with the TTB transfers. Um, so we get to start all over again. Um, right. Luckily the waiting list for the TTB now is nowhere near the way it was five years ago when we first submitted it. So, you right. know, it's, I think it's from nine months down to about two months right well, now. Well, now it's so. just a matter of who's working. Yeah, no, yeah, it's true. <laughs> right now, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like I said, don't want to dwell too much on uh, some of the negative sure. things going on, but uh, for somebody who's looking to expand and potentially need some new equipment or expanded equipment, there's going to be a lot of tanks coming up for sale very soon. Yeah. Unfortunately. Really, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there was a, a report that came out from the BA last week, I think it was mm -hmm. or maybe before. And I mean, that, 
there, you know, that there was no no sunshine in that at all. I mean, that was all doom and gloom. Um, well, I guess the good news is we don't even need tanks. We just need barrels. Yeah, none, barrels of our, yeah. none of our stuff goes yeah. into stainless anyway. Um, right. Everything that we do after it, you know, after it's done being brewed and it's done in the the fooder, it goes right into barrels. So after initial mm -hmm. fermentation, mm -hmm. it's going right into a barrel. So before we get into process, because I do have you guys, uh, I haven't had to ask you much. You see, I, I feel like either. I yeah, have really, I, I either have really generic questions or you guys have done a lot of interviews because you've pretty much knocked out like half of the things I was going to ask you. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> so, um, well, before we get into the process, which I do want to spend a little bit of time because I do think what you guys are doing is something um, unique and, and special and very cool. Is I, uh, you know, the way you guys um, started was from your home keeping the and keeping your day jobs to my knowledge at least with yep. jeff yeah, still have our day jobs. Now, so now chris you did or do work for white labs i did i, okay, I yeah. did work for white labs so um it was kind of it, it was kind of great because i worked in the boulder office um and by working in the boulder office because i didn't have uh chris white and neva like at my disposal all the time um, I got like, when I went out to California, it was like hardcore training with them, like personally having training with them. So that was just an amazing, I think it was better that I worked in Boulder because I had them at my disposal for like two weeks just to, you know, learn how to do, uh, that process and how to grow yeast and how to cultivate yeast and what to look for and what, what's icky and you know without even picking up a book i was able to learn all that from you know essentially i don't know masters in the field that you know so that was really that was really exciting so yes i did work at white labs um but i uh have a degree in environmental science um so i've been a science nerd you know my my entire life <laughs> so that's where i come in i'm not i'm open as and totally fine with saying that i'm not a brewer um i do enough cleaning at home in the house <laughs> i don't need to do more cleaning and watching a pot boil that's not really my my thing um after the beer is you know finished that's not finished but on its way that's really where i come in because i have a um, or I guess as everyone says, I have a really, really sensitive palate. Mm -hmm. um, so I pick up, you know, a pubic hair worth of anything <laughs> in a beer, um, I'm able to pick it up. So that's where I come into play. Um, and then and label designs and label designs and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as the brewing process goes, I know how it works and I've been there and drank while I watched others do it. Um, but I brewed one batch of beer in my in my life, um, and it was a homebrew batch. You pretty much hated it. And I hated it. It was cold <laughs> outside, and I was like, this sucks. You know, I'm standing around, essentially cleaning and watching a pot boil. I like the the after of it. I like the, the, the characters that can be given and, and the characters that it takes on. And, um, you just like the drinking part. Yeah, I just like, I like, <laughs> I like the science behind it and how, how the beer changes and and I like the, you know, the growing of the yeast was really cool and, and fun and, and being able to take out the mold and pick out Saccharomyces and, you know, all of that, that was a, that was a lot of fun to me. That's the part that I really enjoy the most. 
Um, but yes, we do still work our regular jobs. Yeah, all the work part <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> right. And are you going to be doing that when you get to New York as well? You're going to keep be keeping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for for the foreseeable future, of course. You know, it would be amazing. You know, one day, um, you know, we get to the point where, um, you know, that's. <laughs> we get to the point one day. And where, we're yeah, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we get to the point one day where you know all we have to do, you know, all all we need to do is the brewery. Um, you know, in the farm and things like that. Oh, and that's awesome. a, that is a goal at some point, but, um, you know, I, my, you know, so, you know, you said, you know, we don't want to dwell on the, the negative things going on. You know, so many people are working from home right now. Well, I've been working from home for, I've been training for this for the last 17 years. So I've, I've always worked from home. So can you tell um, us a little bit about what you do? Uh, I'm a, I'm a computer guy. I do it stuff for banks. I mean, that's, you know, we don't have to go in. My job's <laughs> rad though. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, I do. I do, I do it work for, uh, for banks, like uh, cloud hosted environments and stuff like that. So I mean, that's, you know, and that's about all you can say. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing to tell you. you know, everybody asks me what I do. You know, I, I just say computer stuff, IT things, whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's – but, I, and I'll continue to do it since I do work from home. Um, there's been many, many a day where, um, you know, I've had the laptop out in the brewery and I was doing my regular job and I've been moving beer around or doing stuff. And there's no reason that that won't continue, um, you know, when we get to the new place. So, um, as long as I can, you know, do both of them, I'll continue to do both of them. But yeah, the, the, the ultimate dream would be to get to the point where um, the, the brewery and the farm allows us to just do that. So yeah. and Chris, what are you doing for your day job? Um, I teach environmental science to kids uh, in the field. So uh, for four, almost five months a year, I uh, travel down to Florida. Well, I went to Boston this year. Um, and I teach science. Um, I, I teach them about the environment of Florida and take kids kayaking through mangroves and how that works. And, you know, and normally this time of year right now, yeah, I would be in Florida right now. Um, I went, taught in Boston this year, did a STEM program up in Boston and that's what I do. And then the rest of the year when I'm not traveling, cause I'm away from home about five months out of the year, the rest of the year, um, I usually work at the bar right down the street um just because i like working in a bar it's fun um so i've been at the old mine the cidery down the street since the day they opened um just slinging cider and talking to people so she's really downplaying her regular job it's pretty damn cool so. yeah my job's pretty awesome but <laughs> she, i work with kids and yeah, she pretty much takes kids from like the everglades all the way down through the keys and like they actually go out on the everglades and we go out onto the reef and they learn about reef. you know corals and they go swim with dolphins in the turtle hospital and they go and check out the mm -hmm. reefs they go kayaking through the mangrove it's a pretty she's really pretty awesome yeah, yeah she, they learn good and bad about the environment yeah. you know they learn you know, the bad things that are hurting right. our environment and how to be responsible. And in the 18 stewards, years that she's been doing you know? it, I haven't got, I haven't been able to go on one trip yet. Wow, I blame, no, I don't, I don't blame her. I blame you for yeah, that. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I'd still have to pay for it. That's <laughs> well, yeah, and I wouldn't get to spend any time with them because I'm with 50 kids at a time and, you know, I work about 85 hours. I work as many hours as the teacher works all year. I do it in four and a half months. Right. So um, it's a it's a lot of work, but it's it's I'm I'm I love it, and I'm you know it's right up my alley. I get to act like a middle school kid like all the time, you know. And they think farting is funny, and I think that's glorious about that. Yeah. So, if you don't think farting is funny, you're dead inside. Yeah, right. you, you truly true. are. And sometimes it smells like you're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> 
So she comes from a pretty exciting background. I mean, from working at SeaWorld or being an animal keeper at Bush Gardens, you know, she's worked with giraffes and rhinos and all kinds of stuff before. So she she downplays it a lot, but she's got a, she's had a pretty. Uh, she was yeah, a, I just traded. She was a shark. For yeah, she so was long. a uh, she was a shark diver at the Florida Aquarium for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, but. So, uh, yeah. what are your thoughts on the the uh, current hit show regarding uh, animals? Oh, yeah. So, um, funny, um, th that person, the woman in that show, um, she used to come to our facility. Oh, I forgot she's in Florida. I mean, I should remember because yeah. she's very, they very, just outside of they vehemently describe her as that B word down in Florida a lot yeah, on that she show. She used to come to our facility yeah. and, um, like actually tell us that we were treating our animals poorly. Um, and if you've ever seen, you know, what you've seen on the show, um, mm -hmm. her facilities are horrible compared to AZA yeah. regulated. Yeah. They didn't you know, look great. Uh, no. World, yeah. World-class facilities. I mean, you think about some of the zoos Well, you're in what Oakland. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, even if you, even the San Diego zoo, you think about their zoos and the world-class facilities that they have. It makes hers look like a, a dog crate, you know. Well, hell, we thought that, they, we, we thought that um, you know, we thought that what's his name there in Oklahoma that, you know, they give him all kinds of shit. Yeah, his, his facility looks better, like than better than hers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, um, she's, she's, she's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah I mean, just don't cross her. You might get fed to the tigers. Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> right? It was funny. We were watching the show. We, someone told, you know, of course, with what's going on, everybody like picks a show and just mm -hmm. like, this is what you have to watch. I mean, it was really like, good. It was really good timing on their part oh, in the sure. sense oh that, like, yeah. there's yeah. a there's also like a comedian, uh, Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura. They both dropped their specials like the week everyone had to stay at home. Yeah. Like, man, yeah. those guys are. I don't just... think that. Yeah, I don't think that show. I don't think that show would have done nearly as good as. No, it did. I think it would have been more like a making of a murder or whatever. But yeah. So we started watching it, and I, I'm sitting there and we're watching it, and the when we had a couch. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I go to Jim. You and I'm see like, her. I just, I just grab him, and I'm like, "Oh my God, that's a crazy thing!" Crazy thing. <laughs> and he's like, "You know her?" And I'm like, "I don't, not personally, but she's fucking crazy." <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in Florida zoological knows about knows about yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, so let's. I, I do want to get into some of your processes. Um, now you guys do. I've seen at least in a couple of pictures open top primary fermentation yeah we do full full um, full open top fermentation um, we we have from the beginning um, and every beer we make it doesn't matter you know what you know what type of beer we're trying to make um, it's all open fermented we have a, a, a 10 barrel open top fooder mm -hmm. and, um, so everything goes through that yeah which was uh, custom made um, out of Cyprus yeah, it's really Cyprus. cool because yeah, it's super so the Cypress is really really hard. Um, you know, we just do primary in there. It's not sitting in there for months or years on end. It's doesn't lend four, any flavor. No, yeah, that's the idea behind it. So four to ten days and it's out of there. So the cypress is really, really hard. So it doesn't really absorb any of the, the flavors or characters or anything like that. So which is completely, you know, which is exactly what we were looking for. So well, it was kind of crazy. A friend of mine who owns a brewery down in um, uh, where is it? West Palm Beach, Florida. He uh, he was like, hey, I just got this. The guy said he made, you know, three of them for this brewery, and they backed out. He's like, I got one. He's like, 
there's, he said he'll sell you the other one dirt cheap because he's basically <laughs> going to have to get rid of it. And I'm like, dirt cheap is my price. Yeah. Like, well, Jeff, and I'm like, like, look at the pictures. And I'm yeah. sitting there taking a ton of pictures. I'm like, look what we could get. Look what we could get. Because prior to that, we were using, um, I had taken two punch-ins and converted them into open top fooders. And so I was, you know, brewing a single batch that I had to split it and ferment it into two, two open top punch-ins. And what a mess that made. Yeah, it was kind of a pain in the ass. So, um, <laughs> so as soon as we saw this thing, we, we just jumped at it. And uh, yeah, so everything, everything goes through that open, uh, open fermentation. And then everything goes into barrels. And yeah. we, when we talked uh, in Belgium, we got, we were able to kind of go into process a little bit. And I think, one of the things that I remember distinctly talking with you, Jeff, about was that um, a lot of people. That was in there. You were talking to me. <laughs> yes. That <was> weird. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, was that um, just clarifying for the audience who was there and who wasn't? You know, uh, because you guys have been there before. So. Yeah. Oh, sure, uh, sure. By the way, I I actually got to try your guys's beer before you guys have oh yeah oh yeah, the collab we did. yeah he's already had our collab it's very good i will say i think it uh a little more time on it will even be better yeah. oh, it's good. very good but i i'm i'm real. I, I think i am getting i'm getting another bottle and i plan on sitting on that one for six months or so nice nice hopefully but i yeah. get some before they hopefully i get some before tom gives it all away no 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 you'll right. get it you'll be getting it i promise <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh so yeah what we were talking about was that a lot of we were talking about i think misconceptions or like some of the mistakes that i shouldn't say mistakes some of the things that mixed culture brewers or people who are experimenting with mixed cultures do that are maybe unnecessary and we were talking about how total time in oak uh sometimes people go too far sure. and unless you're specifically making like a turbid mash where you're going to have a lot of food for the yeast, right. it does not need to spend more than 10 months, you know, no, no, for sure. <laughs> I, always and, think, I always think about Andy from Avery and what he said, he, you know, he has an idea of what the, when he makes a beer and, and I learned a lot from that is he said, when he makes a beer, he has an idea of what the beer is going to taste like in his head. Or what, he hope, what he hopes, what he hopes it would taste like. And then it goes into the barrel and then he, you know, taste it, taste it, taste it. And he goes, and when it comes close to where he thinks it should be, he takes it out. Mm -hmm. He goes, because if he keeps it in there with the hope that it might, get even better um sometimes it can it, it hits that peak and then it just goes downhill from there and it can turn into garbage in a sense mm -hmm. you know so yeah. so i always i always think about that when we're you know when when jeff has me come out and he tries a beer has me try a beer or or whatever and we're talking about what we should do with something i always reflect on those words because it's like if it's good and there's, there's no, uh, you know, you know, it's going to age in the bottle as well for a little while, um, for our, our fermentation for carbonation, it's going to, it's going to age in that bottle for a little bit. Um, but if we, if we've tasted it in the barrel and, and then, and he'll tell you his own thing too, but in my head, I think when it, when it gets to that point, get it out. Um, you know, what's the, what's, I don't know. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. I just always reflect on what Andy said and, and I'm like, if it's good now, then, you know, two months from now, 
it, it might not be. So let's right. let's get it out while it's in that vision in our head. Right, right. Yeah, but long, yeah, you're, yeah I, remember, I remember that conversation. I mean, longer is definitely not, longer doesn't equal better. You know, you can, you can get a lot of the character and a lot of the things that you're looking for in a relative, relatively short amount of time. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, the bulk of our beers don't spend more than maybe like six months in a barrel um you know we do have some that go you know go about a year um and i have done some that have gone much much longer than that you know um but i did you know i let them go longer because i was trying to do something very you know very specific that needed that amount of time but but ultimately no it doesn't you know you, you don't need to be in there for very you know for that long i mean i've had i've had beer that have been in barrels for three four months and it's you know it's just perfect and it had great character and all that so but um but yeah, I'd say the bulk of the, the large majority of our beers don't spend more than about six months in barrels. If you had to come up with three pieces of equipment or purchases or investments that every mixed culture barrel project should do, like maybe maybe it's not the first thing that comes to mind for most people, but like three investments in a mixed culture program and three things that they are maybe uh, not necessary investments uh, or three things that are assumed to be important, but they're not. Like basically the three things that you think are important that you need to have in a mixed culture barrel age program and three things that are kind of not, not as vital that people like, like tend to jump on. If you, right. If you can think of three. Okay. Um, so the, the three things that I think you probably that probably are beneficial. Um, one of them is not even an object. It's more of um, uh, kind of letting go. Um, I think I think a lot of people that get into mixed culture bail programs think that they can control that process, um, and you really can't. I mean, as soon as you put beer in a barrel, you've you've given up pretty much any control that you've had you have over that beer. Um, what it's going to do in that barrel, you know, you can steam the barrel, you can scrub the barrel, you can do everything you want to, but you know, you're not, you're not getting everything out of that barrel that was in it before you used it. So I think a lot of people um, go way over top in trying to control every single thing that's going to happen um, in those environments. And to me, that's kind of the, that's one of the romantic parts about it is just letting it, letting go and letting, you know, letting the barrel and the beers, you know, do, work together and become what they're going to, what they're going to become. So, you know, so that's, that's one thing. Um, two, uh, you know, another one I think that a lot of, that I always kind of laugh is it seems like a lot of people that run mixed culture barrel programs, they, they, they're, they seem like they're afraid of the barrels. Um, go out and buy a good set of cooperage tools and rip barrels open. Get them open, get in there, learn them, learn how to take them apart, put them back together, um, and work with them. I mean, you, you, you know, you can't, you know, in real reality, you can't break a barrel. You know, if it falls apart all over the ground, you know, you could put it back together. It may take you some time, but you're not going to break a barrel. So invest in a good set of cooperage tools and, and learn how to um, work on barrels. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I learned early on um, that has been a huge help with me in you know, maintaining barrels. Um, uh, you know, keeping barrels fresh and keeping them going for us to, you know, so that we don't have to, we, we reuse most of our barrels, um, you know, because I break them open and clean them and, and 
you know, make sure that they're still healthy. So, so that's a good one. Um, oh, what would be a third thing that would be beneficial? Um, uh, so Chris, the, the question was three things that if you're running a barrel age mixed culture program that you need to invest in or, or take time in. And so far he had mentioned, you know, Cooper, coopering tools, uh, and giving up a little bit of the control and don't be so obsessed with the control of where the beer is going to, where you think the beer is going to go. And then the, the follow-up question is three things that mixed culture programs or brewers do that or invest in that are maybe not such a wise investment now that you guys have been doing it a while. Right. And it doesn't have to be three, but it was just, you know, I figured it was. A yeah. Thing. I mean, those, I'm trying to think about a third, like must have type of thing that, that we, I think, I, I think in a, from a nerd point of view, like a microscope, but it's also a good and a bad because your microscope can give you answers, but then you can also overanalyze what you're looking at too. And then, take it and then almost clean your beer out. You know what I mean? I think a microscope could be a good or bad investment. Mm. Yeah. I guess if I was really searching for a third, I would say that. So a microscope with maybe uh, just for the sake of knowledge, but not for the sake of like, don't, don't necessarily use that microscope to make these hard decisions right yeah, yeah it's yeah, so like yeah. so you need to know what's in the beer right but like don't freak out about it so like, you know yeah, right. don't yeah. don't use a heavy hand with the knowledge you exactly. obtain right. Exactly. right if you see something in there that you didn't expect then just be like well cool it was in there right. i just didn't know about it and so. now you know yeah and now you know right i mean yeah, for sure um so what are three things you think are kind of like maybe overhyped or over uh valued Oh man, overhyped. Um, <laughs> no, no. It's, Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, things that are overhyped. Um, With mixed culture. Yeah, just things that um, you know, things that you always see people buying and whatnot. That, um, you know, a forklift for sure. I mean, you know, we don't need a forklift. They're for mentions. <laughs> yeah, that's. Sentence yeah. You, you, were you part of the whole forklifts for Mitch's thing and the whole? The, the whole I'm, I'm i'm on the periphery of that i don't really know the details yeah, of so that, that's an inside joke so anybody out there that watches this that hears that they'll understand where that's coming don't from. no one's watching this you're, no, you're wasting I, your time right now right 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 um i wasted good hair I'm, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think like you know things that are overhyped like you know i think one of the biggest things i always see people doing and i you know, maybe it depends on your operation but like um it seems like they always kind of go over the top when they're when they're of the um, uh, what do I want to say like the, um, the 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 level of what they're buying you know like instead of instead of getting by with like maybe a, you know an eighty dollar corker they feel like they got to run out and buy the nine thousand dollar you know automatic corker you know things like that now if you've got the money I guess you know go and do it but um, you know. It, there's a lot of things like that. I think there's a lot of things that, um, that. Are you asking about equipment or just in, in general? Yeah, just equipment. Even, even, theor even theories or approaches. So like, I here's think, one. Think, oh, I think one of the things that's way overhyped is, or not, not hyped enough is honesty. I think a lot of people say that things are things when they're not those things. Like 100% spontaneous, you know, or, <laughs> do you, you know, or. Yeah. Or, 
like that sort of thing when when people feel like they have to or you know um we use 100 percent uh pure fruits or you know uh, all natural ingredients and when you can taste the the adjunct or the the um the artificial flavoring in it um another good another just way be, i just think uh, you should just be honest if you're be uh, be be true if it's a spontaneous yeah great it's a spontaneous if it's started out <laughs> as a spontaneous and died and you pitched yeast into it then say that you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you, you know be just be just be honest you're, if your people are gonna like your beer they're either gonna like it or they're not gonna like it not because you said it's a b or c if it ended up being x y and z if they like it, they like it. They're still going to buy it, you know. Yeah, another one I think too is. Um, I think that I don't know if that answered the question, but I think yeah, absolutely, it does. It does yeah. You know, another one too I think is a big one is um, I, I see this a lot with mixed culture beers, and I think I think people try to hide. You know, I think they try to take the the the, the name of you know the style or whatever you want to call it mixed culture and use that in an attempt to hide things, and I think. Uh, people just need to get into the accepting that they need to dump beer. You know, when it's just not good, it's not good. If it's, you know, by adding, you know, eight pounds per gallon of fruit or something, it's mm -hmm. not, you know, it's not, it's not going to cover it up. It's ultimately going to come out, you know. Or you got so, something fucked up and you call it mixed culture just so you can justify that. Yeah, I mean, You know, so, like that tastes like Band-Aids. Oh, well, it's mixed culture. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's meant to taste like a Band-Aid. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big thing that, that's a big thing that I see with a lot of mixed culture programs is that um, people aren't willing to dump beer. They think that the mixed culture category allows them to just release beer or whatever it is. And if, if somebody says, oh, it's got this, whatever, and they're like, oh, it's mixed culture. It's, you know, it's, yeah. that's the farmhouse character, you know, type of things like that. And, um, so dumping beer, I mean, that's a big one too, that people need to, to understand that if you're going to run a mixed culture program, um, we dumped a lot of beer. You, you know, you're going to dump beer. You should be dumping I think beer. a good brewer, every good mixed culture brewer should be dumping beer. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, yeah. But, okay, so here, here's a straightforward one. Do you think there's too many cool ships out <laughs> in the beer world? <laughs> yes. You know what? No, I don't, I, I don't want to say no, because I think, I think that kind of makes you, I don't think that there's too many cool ships. I think that, it's kind of it is a fun thing to play with right but again it goes back to dumping beer you know if right. you're going to use it to for the sake of learning and, and maybe something good comes out of it great but not every turd is a masterpiece you know well, this, um, yeah this will be i mean and unless that was this a is, real question but i don't well no i i know exactly where i know where he's going with it okay. and, and um you know we disagree on a number of things. That's what couples do. And so this will be one that we do. Yes, I absolutely think there, there are way too many cool ships out there. It's gotten to the point where um, people are just buying them because it's a buzzword now. You know, just like, you know, wild or anything else. You know, now everybody's going to have a cool ship so that they can, you know, they can use that in their marketing or because it's the, it's, it's the cool thing well, to do. Well, if it's being used properly, then there's, well, there's not yeah, too many cool a, ships. But that's the problem. Yeah, if it's being used properly, then there's not too many cool ships. My, my question was not, are there too many properly used cool ships? Oh, right. 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 It was, are there too many cool ships, period. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
mostly yeah, no, mostly um, for Instagram and uh you know. <laughs> yeah, they do they do make so, very, they do so, very, very cool it fiction. was a leading it was a leading question i'll okay, admit okay. <laughs> so. yeah no but yeah I, I yeah i think there are way too many um every time you turn around somebody's you know somebody's buying one and, and you can just tell you're like what you know you bought that just for the cool factor yeah. I mean, it's not 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 the not the cool ship factor, but the cool factor. So you can put the pictures on Instagram and you can Your use it. Your brewery's on I-95. And... How many? Yeah. Yeah, you know, just like, I think like many things in the craft brewing industry, that's something that's, you know, just, it's just getting drove into the ground and, you know, taken to the extreme that um, unfortunately, you know, it's, the nature of what we deal with in the craft beer industry, right? I think everybody has the right to spend their own money well, the way they want to. I'm not telling them the right to spend yeah. their own money. They can spend it if they want, but, um, you know, I bet you they wish they had that cool shit money right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, or, or have uh, beer in tanks that they could quickly can and not right. sitting in barrels for multiple years. Right. Uh, so there is a, a group on Facebook that, you started that I am well that I am the moderator of uh, called the Funk and Farmhouse Collective. We didn't realize when we started it that it sounds like fucking farmhouse. I know it's Funk up. and Farmhouse. Yeah, somebody brought that up. Like, I, yeah, I think it was Ben. I think it may have been Ben Ward from Effigy Brewing out here that maybe, yeah, maybe he yeah, brought maybe it up. Um, now the goal of the group has been to be uh, just a supportive uh, you know space for people experimenting not just with it's not exclusively for mixed culture because there's also a lot there's farmhouse brewers that are not making right. mixed culture and there's yeah. and there's uh, obviously people who don't brew on farms making farmhouse style so it's it's kind of um, just a supportive group it I it seems that it kind of comes on the tail end of your time with another group that was called swag the sour was it sour what is the sour and wild ale guild um that one got quite a bit of of attention off the bat there was press releases there was coverage with media outlets like good beer hunting and and etc uh there was some really cool people involved but it kind of went quiet can you without you know without necessarily getting into too much nitty-gritty can you kind of tell tell the listeners what happened with swag um i mean there wasn't any like any big scandal or anything it really came down to the fact that you know a lot of the a lot of the main people that were part of the board you know i I was one of the founding board members and there were a lot of key people in there that started that like brandon jones from yazoo um lauren salazar um from new belgium and jeffrey stuffings from jester king um that all came out of a um, a panel that they did um at i forget what what maybe it was cbc that's what it was it was a panel that they did at cbc on um sour and wild ale and uh, that's kind of where the where the idea for a guild came from. So, um, you know, and then and then you know Jay from Rare Beer got involved in it and whatnot. So there's some pretty big you know some pretty big names in the industry that were involved in that. And um, as we started getting uh, the groundwork in place, uh, you know, we, we, you know, I got picked to be on the board. So we had the board created, you know, and um, we you know we had all the legal stuff done, and it was starting to get to the point where 
we actually were creating the um, the infrastructure for it, and uh, we spent probably about a year um, just working on 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 all of that. And there, as you can imagine, with you know anything like that, um, you know if you, if you go back and look at what happened with uh, you know method traditional, right? Um, you know that can go. Those types of things can go sideways. You know, we have the best intent, best intentions, but um, those things can go sideways pretty quick. And so we were trying to navigate the waters of how we were going to put together this, you know, sour and wild ale guild um, as kind of a support mechanism, an education mechanism, um, you know, a uh, a um, you know a way to champion these types of beers and um, you know, we started getting some flack here and there and different things like that. But ultimately what really happened was it got to the point where it was requiring so much work to get it to where we really wanted it to be that um, trying to do that and run, you know, um, you know, run Jester King or, you know, uh, Yazoo or rare barrel or whatever it just the two of them just couldn't happen at the same time and so a lot of people just didn't have the time to dedicate um what what was needed to really make it what they had hoped for it to be so um you know it was it was it got to the point where everybody was like well let's let's take a step back and you know we have some things we have to take care of and we're kind of regroup and we regrouped a few times and then ultimately it, it really just kind of went dormant and um then uh you know a couple of key players came up and just said you know look i i don't have the time to dedicate to this and if anybody wants to take it and run with it you know you have our blessing if you want some of our support you know you can you know you'll have it a hundred percent, but we just don't have the, the cycles to dedicate to this thing. And we'd rather, you know, we'd rather step aside um, and let, let it do what it's going to do. So, I mean, that was really what ended up happening. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like there was some big scandal or something, you know, what would you like to see happen with uh, the Funk and Farm Collective? Um, my idea behind that was to take, you know, take some pieces of what we were trying to do with swag and, um, you know, the, the swag was always going to be a guild. It was going to, there was going to be, you know, memberships that had to be, you had to pay for. And, you know, there was this whole legal body that was going to be around it. And, um, but we were going to try and include as many breweries in the community as we could, but ultimately, you know, it's still a guild that's run by a board and, you know, there's legalities in it and, and um, fees and things like that. So I really wanted to strip all of that away and kind of get back to the core of what swag, what I think swag was going to become. And that was, that was kind of the idea behind starting, um, you know, the, the Funk and Farm Collective was for it to be a support group for the, the people that are trying to make, you know, these mixed culture beers, farmhouse beers. Um, Cause I mean, if you look at what's going on in the industry, I mean, you know, these beers are getting, you know, they're they're losing you know they're they're you know they're losing ground leaps and bounds to you know pastry stouts and you know whatever you know quadruple ipa milkshake you know pumpkin pie thing that's being made now or um you know now with seltzers and all that type of stuff and it's becoming a real struggle for breweries especially breweries who dedicated you know 100 percent of their entire 
model to making these beers, um, it's becoming very difficult for them to find a place, um, you know, in the, in this market. So the idea behind it was to be a support group where we all have a place that we can, you know, bounce ideas off from each other and, you know, come up with with things that can help um, everybody to, to survive and, and make these beers and then take that and use it as a platform of education for, you know, everybody from the drinker on up, you know, the, the, the people making the beer, the people selling the beer, um, you know, the, again, the people drinking it and use it as an educational platform. You know, ultimately I'd love to see us being able to do um, seminars and stuff at different festivals and, and having panels talk, you know, just talk about, you know, what, what we're doing and what's going on in the industry. And so those were all the aspects of swag that I thought were the most important. Um, you know, we're not here to define styles. You know, that was one thing that, you know, swag was never going to be, um, you know, an organization that defines styles. We were going to try and be like, um, to help kind of guide that ship, but we weren't ever going to say, you know, well, if it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, a mixed culture of this or that, this is how it has to be made. You know, um, that was never the idea. And that's, that's not anything that, you know, I, I really want us to even, be involved in when it comes to the Funkin' Farm, you know, it's, it's really just an educational and a support group, you know, and it could be anything from, I mean, God, look at how long, what we had a thread on there that went on, you know, forever, just about bottles, you know, and it's, you know, it's things like that, you know, and it's, you know, everybody has their opinion, but ultimately a lot of good ideas come out of it, you know, so it could be things like that, but, um, but long-term I'd love to see us being able to do, um, you know, and it doesn't have to be the same. It could be anybody, in any part of the country or the world. And that's one thing too, you know, we've got people in there. It's not just the United States thing. You know, we, I want as many breweries from around the world involved. The swag is going to do that too, but um, I want to have breweries from all over the world involved. And so, you know, if, you know, like at Carnival Britannomyces, for example, maybe there's a, maybe we have an event there. That's the Funkin' Farm thing. And we have an educational seminar, or, um, you know, here in Colorado, at like big beers up in Breckenridge or something, you know, and it could be anybody that's part of the group that can put together, a, put together a seminar somewhere and, and you know, and, and do that, or we have meetups or whatever. I mean, that's ultimately where I really wanted to go is just to be a, a you know, a platform for everybody to support each other and, and then educate um, everybody out there about what, you know, what's really going on with these beers. That's the ultimate goal. Well, I know we've got, uh, a couple of really cool members. I mean, we've got a lot of very, very, uh, cool members on there, but we've got some people who have expressed to me in private that they really want to take those steps to actually do events. And I'm, I'm, I'm on board. And yeah. I think that, you know, when the dust settles and we're able to all get together and actually, uh, have some beers. I'm looking forward to working on the farm with you. So um, I'm going to just close out this podcast. I'm going to hit the stop record, but we'll, I'll keep you on because I'm going to open another beer. And if you guys want to chat a little bit longer, okay, uh, yep. but uh, before we go, um, can you just tell listeners and viewers where to find you? Uh, what anything, I mean, anything coming up, I guess that's relative now, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just, if you want to just plug your, you know, your social media and et cetera. Yeah. I mean, you can, um, you can find us on Instagram, of course. Um, Adam Bruco, I think is our official 
tagged. There's actually an Adam Brewing in the UK, so we had to adjust ours a little bit. So we keep getting tagged for stuff in the UK, and they keep getting stag, tagged for stuff for us. At some point, we've talked, and we're actually going to do like an Adam Adam collab. So hopefully that'll happen someday. But, um, but yeah, so we're on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Of course, those are the two biggest platforms. Uh, we don't do Twitter or anything like that. Um, that's where you can find us on there. Um, you know, AdamBrewingCompany.com, of course. Uh, with this move coming up, we, we just kind of redid the website a little bit and turned it more into a um, sort of a blog uh, platform. Um, so along this journey of moving the brewery across the country and reopening, we're going to be doing blog posts and things like that about every little, you know, what it took to load up a pod and, you know, move it across the country and all these different types of things. So you can find a lot of information on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird time to, you know, it's, to you know, where they can find us. Our beers are going to become a little bit harder to find uh, here over the next six months or so. But the distributor did just come a couple weeks ago and pick up the last of every single bit of labeled beer we had in the brewery. So there's a, a new batch out there. But, um, you know, as far as beers go, it's pretty much here in Colorado only right now. Um, we sent our last batch over to France um, about two months ago. But uh, yeah, adambrewingcompany.com. Look us up on Instagram and Facebook and follow us on this journey that we're about ready to start that, uh, you know, over this probably next uh, three quarters of a year to a year, get us back open in the new Adam Brewery. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. Uh, I'm going to open up another beer and you guys can stay or go. I'm going to drink anyways, but it'd be nice to talk to you guys. <laughs> it'd be nice to talk to you guys off the record. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Cheers. Cheers.